Not sure if many of you know, but we do have a virtual tier within the Design Coven, virtual pro member tier, which includes three virtual meetings a month where we set intentions. We do group coaching. So bring all your questions. We answer those questions and you get to learn from other people going through the same struggles as you. We also do a business practice meeting. So we'll have somebody on to share a business practice that we can all benefit from. And then we also do a product training. So getting a sustainable, eco-friendly line to come on and share who they are so that we can be supported with other like-minded businesses. And if you're not quite ready for pro, you can always join our free community where you will connect with other like-minded holistic interior designers. You don't have to be an interior designer if you are kind of just dabbling or you're aspiring or you're looking into this field. We invite everybody from all journeys and you don't, again, have to be a designer. You don't have to have a degree. We're just a beautiful community of like-minded people looking to create healing spaces, not just for ourselves, but for our clients and future clients. Come join us at designcoven.com forward slash join. Welcome to episode 101. Today, I have artist Alexandra Carter on with me. We explore all things involved with her art and the influences, experiences that she's going through that have made its way into the art um, that she creates, which is so fascinating, so gorgeous. Um, You really need to experience these pieces in person. It really connects to the feminine, to bodies of all shapes. Um, going through the transition of motherhood, which is really, really fascinating. And it just really took me back to those times of being pregnant and having my own children. And so I hope you find this episode super fascinating and inspired to check out her work, which is up at Ulan Gallery um, until the 5th of May. You're listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. This is a podcast that guides you as a new or inspiring independent interior designer navigating your entrepreneurial path. Here with my over 20 years experience, I will share my holistic approach to design with intention and ancient practices, including feng shui, all incorporating mind, body, and spirit into my design projects. You will also learn from seasoned interior designers as they give strategies and insight of how they built their businesses and continue to work in the field. Together, we will discover supportive trade partners, new ideas, creatives, and inspiring artists from around the world. I am your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. Hello, welcome back to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. We have artist Alexandra Carter on with us today, which I'm super stoked about. Welcome, Alexandra, to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. I'm super stoked to dive in here. Um, I met Alexandra at an art opening at Oolong Gallery. Was it maybe like a couple of weeks ago? Yep. Yeah. And there was a few pieces that definitely spoke to me. And I was like, oh, we got to have, we got to have you on so that other designers can discover you and follow you and, and all the parts of this. Um, so before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and open up our space. I like to be intentional about um, creating space for connection and creativity. And one of my favorite elements is fire and creating um, a ritual around um, lighting a candle. So I'm just lighting our candle for that connection that we'll have today. 
and I'm going to pull a crystal card from the Radiant Crystal deck. And just to kind of see what energies you might want to tap into today. And it could just be an energy for the day. It could be a moment. It could be around the talk. It's kind of just a intuitive tap in. And we've got Angel Aura Quartz. And this is communication, meditation, and healing. I don't know if you've seen this crystal in person, but it's um, heat treated. I think it's with titanium or some other element. And so it has like this crystal or this iridescent sort of element to it. So it, it's very sort of a, one of those magical sort of crystals that you might think of as a little kid <laughs> treasuring these things. Um, and this is connected to the heart chakra. And the affirmation here is through releasing what no longer serves me, I find healing. Oh yeah, so beautiful. So yeah, a lot of release here, which is really, really cool. You know, I have a tendency to just like dig my heels in and, and try to make things work. But it's like sometimes you need to just let it go and unravel and undo it on its own and, and kind of surrender to it. Um, you know, and a lot of Definitely. your work has sort of that element. And we can talk, we'll talk, definitely talk into it about the motherhood thing. But that just reminded me of that surrender <laughs> that we have to yeah, go under in, in order for that birth to come through. And I'm just like, the word surrender for me is like that moment. And it's like so crazy yeah. and I can see it in your work. So um, before we start, I always open up with the question of what is home? What's home for you at the moment? Yeah, so home for me right now um, and has been for like a little over two years um, is here in San Diego in uh, Rancho Penasquitos. Um, and that's where my studio is. So I'm in my studio right now. It's um, a three car garage that we converted into a studio. And this really feels like home for me. This is like the best part of us moving. We were in LA before and um, yeah, coming down here, we, we were able to get some more space and just um, my, my studio like space opened up mm. so much. And since moving down, I moved down when I was pregnant. So um, it's like home is now like my own family. You know, we, we were trying for a really long time uh, or we had a lot of infertility struggles. So like, it's just a really wonderful feeling to have a house that's full of another life besides me and my husband. And um, that would be our daughter. And then also um, when we bought the place, um, we uh, like my mom was kind of like signed on to uh, build a house in the back um, mm -hmm. for her to live in just during the colder months of the year because she normally lives in Maine. Okay. So she, yeah, she's here during the colder months. She just left recently to go back to Maine. But um, so it's really, really nice that we have like this sense of home here in our neighborhood with like me and my husband and Sherby, our daughter, and then also my mother is here um, oh a lot God. of the time. So it's, yeah, really nice. That's amazing. I love that you made space for her and she gets to be part of all the things that that's happening in your life. That's so cool. Can you, I know you mentioned that you just moved to San Diego about a year ago. Can you share with us, and you spoke a little bit about me, can you share with us how that transition happened or how you even got into the art world in general and how that's influenced your work now? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's all like related to like my original home too, actually. So I grew up 
in Massachusetts, um, South Shore, Massachusetts, near Cape Cod, um, on a cranberry farm. So uh, my father was a cranberry farmer. And I think that a lot of that is what influenced me to get into, um, to do whatever I wanted basically mm -hmm. to be an artist. My mother was also a creator. Um, always, she had like her own business making like custom painted tiles. And then like she did some other things. She's always been um, more on the like craft side of creativity, um, mm -hmm. but always like she had this drive towards making. And then my father was always um, in this very um, in, like intense world of it was a lot of mechanical engineering, actually, okay. that cranberry farming requires. And that's what he his background was in. But it's still like a very creative, like, activity. And so being steeped in this world of, like, cultivation and also having my mother, like, always exposing me to different making practices was definitely, like, the reason why I started painting at a very young age. And then um, it's... I think because my parents were kind of quirky in this sense, like that's yeah. why they didn't you know, hold any bars up to me pursuing that. And they were so open to supporting me in doing that. I mean, in some ways almost too open, you know, like because <laughs> you do have to consider, you know, the, the you know, how you're going to say yeah. your stability is going to be in life and all that. But like I figured it all out in college eventually and like <laughs> and, and thereafter. It was okay. But yeah, it's been like a long path to getting here. I, I basically, uh, I, so I was in Massachusetts and I even ended up going to boarding school in high school. Okay. Um, but I would come back. So that was in New Hampshire. And then I would, but I would always be coming back and I was just super connected to the cranberry farm roots. And harvest time is like around. Um, September, October every year. That was always just like such a special time. Mm -hmm. And um, so and it comes into my work um, a lot, especially when I started going through infertil fertility stuff. The fertility um, language of my body just like spoke so much to the language of my upbringing, being around the agricultural idea of fertility. So... Yeah, so then I went to undergrad in Memphis, Tennessee at a small college um, called Rhodes and then um, kind of moved around from there. There was some time where I went back um, to Massachusetts and that's actually when my father passed away. So that was like a huge deal having to do with um, home and right. reconnecting. And I, I was just so glad I was home when that happened. And then I spent some time in um, Baltimore. And then on a whim, I moved to LA. And that's when I moved my, met my husband. And um, we both moved to London so that I could okay. do my master's there um, at Goldsmiths. And then, and so we stayed in Europe around four years. Okay. And then came back here to Southern California because um, that was just the best place for both of us. His connections were here and the art world is, is so uh, wonderful here. And then eventually his job moved him down from L.A. to San Diego. And uh, yeah, it's been like it's very different from L.A. in terms of the art scene and stuff. But right, I feel right. like especially right now. 
having this show like open at Oolong um, of my work, it's like super affirming. I finally feel like I've found like a little, um, a, a good spot here in terms of the, the San Diego art community and also I've continued to show in LA. So um, I do feel, I feel good about where we are and I feel more settled than I ever have in my life. Oh my so. gosh, it's amazing. I love that you feel settled and grounded and that you have created some roots here, even though you've just recently moved. That's that's pretty significant. And to have this beautiful studio uh, there where you get to explore <laughs> your work in so many different ways. Yeah, exactly. So rad, I just, I love that. Can you share a little bit about the current show that's happening at Oolong and maybe where that inspired from. I know you touched a little bit on it, but I'd love to like dive in a little bit more and really kind of get that feeling across to our audience that are listening. Absolutely, yeah. So um, the show arose out of um, Eric, the the director of Oolong, does mostly like two person shows or group mm -hmm. shows, and this so this show is a two person show and. It's with my dear friend, Christiana Updegraff, who I met really soon after moving out here and really soon after becoming a mother. And we met um, over actually Instagram, over like a uh, artist mother kind of network. Oh, um, cool. And kind of just started having studio visits and meeting each other and really supporting each other and each other's practice for a while and then the opportunity for this show came up and we were like oh i don't know how what's our work gonna look like together yeah. i don't know I almost doubted it a little bit uh -huh. but eric was pretty confident and um and once we saw it in the space it just totally made sense so both of us have like this um we've both been through some infertility struggles we've both been through some um losses and so uh there is a sense of that in both of our work. She works in sculpture mostly, and mm -hmm. I am um, in painting, at figurative painting, pretty like uh, pretty dedicated as a figurative figurative painter. But um, it, I think, the conceptual ties there really made the work work like in the space visually. It made it mm -hmm. made it really um, converse. So. Yeah, my work, I think the work that's up there right now has to do with um, my identity coming from the struggle to become a mother and this um, this language of fertility and infertility, both like from where I grew up and then also what I went through and how much I learned about my own body. It's quite amazing what you learn by going through this you know because normally yeah. you just have sex you get a baby but like if you have to do it this other way it's like you learn about like all these different hormones firing at oh all different God. times and it's really kind of beautiful and fascinating and excruciating but like you know very um it, it really inspired me and it inspired me to look a lot at, at like narrative around fertility mm. So different, like fertility mythology. Um, there's so many goddesses of fertility who yeah. I suddenly started to really, I really understood why uh, across so many cultures and eras, these goddesses have been um, worshipped, you know? Yeah, so for sure. So I think the work, yeah, the work 
that's there now is kind of like coming, it's coming out of that stage and coming more into the stage of being a mother and the process of that body, like the, how those extreme changes that your body goes through from being pregnant and so attached to this being and then being um, not just like cut off from that body, but like the body is taken out of you, but that, or is it comes out of you. Yeah. They believe it wasn't <laughs> taken out. This is where But it's still so attached, right? It's like, oh, yeah. So, so physically, whether that's through like breastfeeding or whatever, or like mentally and psychologically attached. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being in that role finally after years of wanting that, it just made me like su- hyper aware of kind of the different sensations wow. I was going through. And so I think this work has to do with that, like meditating on the postpartum body and the postpartum kind of um, instincts, really. I-, I talk a lot about the monstrous feminine and how mm-hmm. the process of being pregnant and giving birth and thereafter felt kind of monstrous, but not not like in a bad way, in like yeah. this really amazing, beautiful, reverent way that I think is like so cool and so primal in a way. So no, it totally the, is. The idea of the monster. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, so yeah, a- you, you go into this total, it's almost like you're changing or you're morphing into this being or this being is, is overtaking you and, and you have to become one with it in order for you to get past to the next state, right? It's like you're, you're transforming like right before your eyes, before your partner's eyes, like all of a sudden you almost come into a trance. I just remember just like going in. And again, with that surrender and that release and letting that part of you that's so instinctual and primal, like you're saying, take over and trusting in that to, to bring this child into the world that you've you know, been preparing for for so long. Um, yeah, it's an insane yeah. transformation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and that's why I like the I like the card that you pulled, too, in terms of like release. It's like that it's the ultimate test of like of you have to learn how to do that in both the physical processes and the mental in terms of being a mother and getting you know on your way there and also i'm the other thing that influenced the most recent work in the oolong show is the fact that we're trying to have another uh, child and so we're going through ivf again because i can't i don't ovulate naturally so i have to do ivf so uh we are doing that all over again and it's kind of crazy and nuts but like that that's why the card is really speaking to me again (laughs) right now because it's like right now i'm in this stage where i'm like oh i hope they can get enough eggs i hope they can get you know i hope the fertilization happens all this stuff but i have to just kind of let go Mm -hmm. you know i have to just see you know what what happens Mm -hmm. so yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you definitely have to surrender into that. When you were doing your research and you were speaking about these goddesses, was there someone in particular that really spoke to you or that you felt really connected with? Definitely. That would be, um, her name is Baubo, B-A-U-B-O. And um, there's actually like a Japanese equivalent named, oh, I'm going to forget her name, um, begins with a U. 
but like there's a very similar story in Japanese mythology、uh-huh. that's very similar to、uh, classical Greek mythology. So, what happened when、um, Demeter lost her daughter Persephone to Hades、mm-hmm. um, is that she went into deep mourning and like was so grief stricken that the crops died. All so ag- agriculture kind of like just went to to shit, and then. I oh I don't know if I'm allowed to say yeah that, you can but,、um, <laughs> you're all good ah、uh, it just <laughs> and um she so she was in this like darkness and there's and in Japanese myth um the woman's name the goddess's name is Amaterasu and ah、uh, she wouldn't bring light to the world and so Baobo came along and like. Did this funny dance, and she's like referred to as the deity of sacred belly laughs, or the deity of like mirth and humor and、um, liveliness, and just this. So she kind of arose Demeter from this grief-stricken slumber and brought back. So Demeter started like laughing and coming back to life, and brought back、uh, the crops and brought kind of bounty back to the world, and all because of this this lightness that Balbo、oh、brought、gosh. into the world. And so when I learned about this deity, it just like it it filled me with so much joy, especially、mm. the fact that she's oh the way she's depicted is amazing too because she's described as having um. Her vulva is a mouth, and her her nipples are eyes. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. So very very interesting visual. Ah,、uh, so she's like my favorite, absolutely. And have you used her in influence into some of your work, or are there some pieces that have、Definitely. some aspect of her? Yeah, for sure. Um. In like 2019, when I was going through like the depths of my infertility processes, I did a bunch of paintings that had the, this、um, like kind of face in the vulva and like kind of referring to her.、Hmm. And then I've done a few paintings that、um, specifically refer to sculptures of her from in- from antiquity.、Um, there are a lot of like t- old terracotta sculptures of her where she's basically yeah just like a face on top of legs,、oh、and then she has a a crown of acorns. And what I did in my version was I would I replace the acorns with cranberries to、mm-hmm. kind of give homage to my own、um, agricultural roots. So yeah, she's definitely come in and out. And then also I um. Been influenced a lot by burlesque and burlesque performers. Ooh, amazing! I think of I, yeah, I think of Babel as like this kind of ancient burlesque performer in a way. She's a way of like bringing lightness to、yeah. the world, like humor through her body, through this like ostentatious display of the feminine body. You know, so I love likening it to that. That's so rad. That just reminded me of like,、um, you know, when you're going into birth and like that. I don't know. I I did a, some hypnobirthing and I remember the instructor just talking about like moving our bodies in that way of like almost like love making or dancing or moving. And when you're talking about that belly dance of like just being in that space of letting your everything kind of just move in this beautiful feminine, luscious like 
way. It just sounds so juicy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. And then um, do you feel, I know now you, you started talking about fertility again. Do you feel this call to reconnect with this goddess or do you find yourself connecting to someone else in this second journey of yours? Um, I think like I do feel called to reconnect with her, but I also feel called like to just explore more narr like parents within narrative in general, especially um, I went through a pregnancy loss recently and I found that just rereading the Greek myths made me feel was so healing in a way because there's yes, Greek myths are incredibly fantastical and crazy, but also there's so much grief. There's so much loss. It just made me feel like seen in a way. Wow. It's there's so many parents that lose their children in in these myth myths. And it's just it's so touching in a way. So actually in some of the paintings at Oolong, I think I was definitely influenced by all kinds of different parents. I mean, Demeter is definitely one, but even mm -hmm. Medea, like people that have really complicated relationships as parents. Um, Medea being one who actually um, committed infanticide. And I, you know, I hate relating my story to that, but I think it's just, there's, there's so many angles that we can learn from narrative in terms of the stories that we tell and we keep you keep telling in terms of mm -hmm. like gender roles and all sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I just love all the thought and all the things and, and how you've used your experience to express yourself and to find comfort and healing um, with these struggles that you're going with. And, and I, you know, you're so brave to share all this with us. Um, I know so many people go through the same struggle and I'm hearing more about it now with other mothers and women and you know there's so many stories that we don't hear about um and so i just wanted to honor you and thank you for being so open because i know there's a lot of people that are going to be listening that are really going to relate with you and i think they can really see it in your work um how that struggle yeah. and you know is expressed so it's it's really really admirable Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, well, I just found it so helpful myself when other people opened up about it. And so I've just chosen to be a very open book. I think the more we can talk about these things, the better, you know, especially absolutely. as women because we get silenced so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Are you working on a body of work that's different from what's happening at Oolong or is, are you continuing this elevation? Uh, evolution or how is how's your work trans translating right now or coming up um it's definitely like kind of a continuation of the most recent two paintings in the oolong show so there's two paintings um one of which is very much like um a riff um of a mother and child painting but it's like she's becoming either engulfed in the natural world around her or she's like kind of emerging from it you can't really tell whether it's like a birth or a loss that's going on and I'm I'm kind of thinking about imagery like that and um playing around with um my different uh like births and losses and also like looking at narrative and looking at imagery that speaks to some kind of connection to uh, a more universal theme like 
whether that's the earth itself like i love connecting the body to what's underneath our feet and um or if it's just connecting it to different like folklore fairy tales Mm -hmm. or like even one of the recent paintings i did use a piece uh, or a um an image from a burlesque poster like in the painting so there's like these different ways of like different visual languages that i'm using like i refer to art history a lot i look at art history and um i literally reference it like a lot of the time some of my figures are referenced from art historical paintings of women from mythology or they're referenced from other more more contemporary sources like burlesque and I also use my own body a lot. So um, uh, I a lot of the time I'll just like make like a small performance in my studio for the mm-hmm. camera and those it, kind of acting out or even kind of dancing a mm-hmm. certain idea or something. Oh and so those often are like origins for new paintings is like the images that I get from that. Um, I think performance has like always been a huge part of my work in that sense. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I'm looking at this drawing I just made. It's an underdrawing for a painting and it's um, it's kind of like a maternity couple's picture. Well, uh-huh. it was taken from kind of like a, a picture that I took of me and my husband when I was pregnant. But I've, I've transformed the pregnant belly into um, uh, a Medusa, like a, a Gorgon's face. Wow. So we'll, we'll, I have no idea if it's like gonna pan out that way. Right, right. Paintings definitely change a lot as I make them, but that's the that's one of the newer <laughs> pieces. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh, so cool! And I'm looking at the one behind you with the feathers, and I, and that looks like it's inspired by that burlesque sort of idea. Is that yes? Yeah, absolutely. I did um, a residency in Las Vegas um, with a foundation called the Rogers Foundation, and um, they they really wanted me to interact with like the local community in some way. And so the way that I did that was I I pulled burlesque into my work even more, and I collaborated with some burlesque performers there, and I did a lot of research going to see a lot of burlesque shows and it was really amazing because it's like this really it's this it's this like counterculture thing that women it's it's so dominated by women in the audience and as performers and um it's just this other way of presenting the body in this incredibly sexualized incredibly ostentatious way but as in this um very subversive way And so I was looking a lot at like burlesque performers that had experience as mothers or that had Mm. ever performed while pregnant. And so I got to interview some performers who shared their stories. Even at the um, opening of my exhibition there, I hired a burlesque performer who did a whole act about Mother Mary. And she came out in this like blue gown with roses all around her head. (laughs) Eventually the rose petals went everywhere and she even like lactated at the end. Like oh, she had oh these, my like, gosh, no. Kind of let go of like this milk stuff that looked like milk. So it was like amazing. It was exactly so rad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, I would have loved to have watched that. That's amazing. <laughs> I love how you got to interact and do so much physically with these people and their bodies and your work and like how special of an experience that must have been. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how to follow up on that. I'm like, I, I want to go to a show. <laughs> I know. I know. It's something I want to do again um, at some point is like, it's really fun to involve performance more with how mm -hmm. I present my work. Um, I've had like singers and dancers like dance in the space around my paintings. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's just a wonderful way to activate the work even further. So rad. Yeah. I mean, it just like brings everything to life and, and I can see like looking at your paintings, I can see how they would move and how they would shift and like, and also just, you know, the colors that you're using. And can you talk a bit about the material and having that translucent sort of vibe to it? Cause it's almost like you can see through, you know, what's happening. Yeah. Here. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I've been using this material for a really long time, at least like 15 years, I think. Um, I, my training came, you know, I was like oil painter, acrylic painter, like the traditional materials on canvas originally. But then I was really drawn to things like watercolor or more like just more immediate kind of painting mediums. And I always found watercolor and paper to be just way too delicate and way, I really wanted to beat up my surfaces in a way. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make them life size too. Like I really like when the figure is the same size as me. So um, I found this material called drafting film. It's also known as mylar. And it's used mostly by architects and engineers. It's this translucent plastic. Um, it's technically not paper because it's not porous, but like it kind of behaves like paper. Um, you know, I can roll it up and all my work is stored in like rolls in the studio. Um, and I use acrylic ink on top of it, which looks a lot like watercolor, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a little more vivid and much more permanent. So that idea of durability and my, my ability to like interact with it and kind of what I, what I'm calling beat it up is, um, is much more, um, I'm more able to do that with this medium. And um, what I love about it is the way that, so I, I, I puddle this ink up on the surface. I, I work on the floor and the, the plastic kind of non-porous surface really emphasizes that liquid nature mm -hmm. and the way that it dries. And I like that because I've just always been interested in depicting the body um, often specifically the female body as this explosive being, this thing that's always leaking, that never has any real boundaries. Yeah. And so that's why I love this, this material. Um, eventually I started displaying it in this way where I could suspend it in space because they are translucent, they're two-sided. So you can see the painting from both sides. And sometimes I'll play around with like, you know, painting an opaque paint on one side that you can only see on that side and then the other side will be something different. Sometimes I'll play around with that. And uh, right now there's two pieces at Oolong that are suspended. Both of them are more like in the traditional sense, like basically you see the same thing on the other side that you see on the, on the front or whatever side you're on. And 
Um, but I, I just love playing with that and making it um, very interactive mm -hmm. with the audience that way. That way it's like, it's actually taking up space, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm a, I'm like a practical person too. I, I like hanging them against the wall as well. Like in my house, I don't really have any pieces suspended. I have a few like, just like installed against my mm -hmm. wall, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, they're so neat and you have to really see it. And I remember when I saw it for the first time, I was like, oh my God, it's Vellum. It's, you know, from our drafting classes, I was like, I so remember touching that and playing with it. And so it was a really neat connection. I was like, oh, it's so cool. I've never seen anyone use it in this way other than, you know, when we do our drawings or whatever. So that was really cool to, to see you use it to accent what you were just you know, showcasing and talking about. And I love that fluidness of the feminine and the materials that you're choosing. I mean, it, they're just right in sync. Um, textile and everything about it. It's just so cool. Yeah, I love also, I love being able to talk to someone like you that actually knows what the material is or you've actually like touched it before because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people see it and they think it's so delicate. They think it's like tracing paper which it is not, as you know, yeah. it's like, it's plastic. You cannot rip it, you know, it's, it's strong stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, I can even see you like lighting the back of it or, or you know, putting mm -hmm. something in that realm because just having it change, it's just, it's so neat. Um, how long is the show up at Oolong for people to experience your work in person? Um, so now? it's up until May 5th. Um, I think the last day that you can go visit and see it will be May 4th. I think okay. he's taking it down like the morning of May 5th. So um, yeah, it's coming right up, but there's still time to see it. And um, his normal hours are Wednesday through Sunday, um, I think 11 to five, but he's there so often. And if, you know, if anyone wants to drop by, um, they can always, they can, always email the gallery and yeah. uh, it's really easy for him to be there. So pretty much yeah. anytime. That's perfect. That's so wonderful. And do you have any other things that are coming up or other shows that you're getting ready for or excited about? I have a few things coming up later this year. Um, one uh, that you'd particular maybe be interested in is uh, it's a show, it's a group show about um, spellcasters and like witchcraft i don't they don't know the title of it yet they're just planning it um i'm really excited about that though because that's always been like an undercurrent in my work um is these kind of like um alternative practices of like witchcraft and the history of that but also like this idea of magic especially going through ivf i've always like thought of it as like this magical process especially having so many like practitioners working on me like you know acupuncturists like meditation and like and then my reproductive endocrinologist who's oh just gosh. like having me take all these different supplements i've always felt like it's a kind of like witchcraft and magic yeah. and it's all women too that i've worked with which is cool like my reproductive endocrinologist is a woman and my acupuncturist and all this stuff oh so gosh. it's like I've always felt like it, it's kind of akin to this, like this witchiness. And so I was super excited when I was contacted about being in the show. It's it's at an artist run space in New York called Ice Cream Social. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I'll definitely like share yeah. details about that once I know more. 
That would be amazing. I would love that. So rad. Um, And then our, you know, our last sort of question before I let you go and and getting your information, do you have any practices that you partake in as far as getting grounded, centering yourself, being mindful that you can share with any of us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like it's so important for artists, especially like painters like me where um, I, I put a lot of planning into my work and then the actual painting part is like this really meditative thing that I have to be in a really good good headspace for. And so I've always just needed as a daily part of my life like grounding practices. So for me, that's always taken the form of exercise, like any kind of movement. It's all different kinds of stuff that I've done in the past. Like I've done a lot of yoga, Pilates, Right now, what I'm doing is I'm doing like a jog or a walk every day. And that's so wonderful because it's outside. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll do the walk with my family. So with my husband and my daughter. And that's just, it's so wonderful because it's like just a break from from whatever grind we both have going on in our day. And and we just take it it outside. And um, I think it's just so important to have like outdoor time every day. Um, for me and then like uh other things that I do I mean I've definitely like gone in and out of like like structured meditation there have been years where I do it a lot and then years where I don't do it as much right now I um I do it a little bit for IVF like I have a specific Mm. um app for IVF that like has these meditations that are just so oh perfect because they're garnered to like what's going on in my ovaries uh, and stuff uh, and it helps it you think about it and like meditate on it and i think it's like such a beautiful a beautiful thing um but i actually i just came from an appointment with my acupuncturist and i have to give a shout out to aphrodite uh fertility that's um it's emily marson and she's just amazing She's both like an acupuncturist and a fertility coach. Wow. And when I go there, I just, I come out of there feeling amazing. Just like this whole new person. Like I just had like 12 hours of sleep or something. Like I just, I feel like I am, I am like my feet are on the floor. I am like, but yet I'm floating. You know what I mean? So So rad. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we'll definitely have to get their information and share it with everyone. that's that's so beautiful and so how can everyone find you where do we um, follow you how do we get in touch with you yeah I'm pretty active on Instagram and my handle is Alexandra Carter studio and my website um, which has like kind of a more um, structured portfolio in it uh, is alexandra-carter.com um, and like all my contact details are in there too, but yeah, Perfect. definitely Instagram. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. I think so. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, your work, all the things I love hearing about all the behind the scenes and the influences that make up your work. Super rad. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here. Of course. You've been listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. If it's one that you have been enjoying, please share with anyone else that you think can benefit from this knowledge. 
and leave us a five-star review that helps us get seen and found by other new and aspiring interior designers. And if you're looking for mentorship, I invite you to join our club here at the Design Coven. It's a bridge between school and real life interior design. We get in much deeper there. We have virtual and in-person events. So everyone is welcome. You don't need to have a design degree to be part of it. Just an interest in holistic interior design. I also want to thank our editor, Marcy Ferry, Blake Ferris, for all of her special help with the podcast, our social media posts, newsletter, and lastly, Kinseth Thibodeau, who is our music composer. Until next time, be well, and we will see each other soon.